y'all ever own a pet tiger? Be honest. I feel like the ability to own a pet tiger means that I could probably do it safely, you know? I do it in my two-bedroom condo, and it's just like, I just keep it in a room, and then you go into that room every now and then if, like, you're out of coffee. <laughs> Are you just going and, like, chucking a, chucking a steak in there every once in a while, or how are you doing that? I live my life for content. Welcome to Two Reels where we take a recent film and find its perfect, excruciatingly long double feature pairing. I'm your host, Rod Bastenmare, and I'm here with Davey Rubin. What's good, Davey? Rod, so good to see you. Beard looks better than ever. Thank you so much. I've let it grow. I've let it do what it needs to do. I'm giving it space. And that's can't tame a wild beast. You can't tame <laughs> a wild beast. <laughs> Call me Stallion of the Cimarron, literally. And... <laughs> With us to what some societies would call our left is Joey Bean Khan. What's up, Joey? Hello. You know, I'm to the right of a lot of people, but to the left of others, you know. To the left of others. I'm your that centrist out. king. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to a literal olive branch, people. We're talking about someone who can reach across the aisle. Young um, Biden. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Can you walk up airplane steps? We'll save that for the Patreon subscribers for post-episode <laughs> chit-chat. We are here. <laughs> to, I'm going to try not to laugh because I cannot believe we are here, boys. We are here to discuss the long-awaited, highly debated Snyder Cut of mm. Justice League. I had a dream. Almost like a premonition. I think there's an attack coming. My lord. This world will fall. I need warriors. I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves. How do you know your team's strong enough? If you can't bring down the charging bull and don't wave the red cape at it. Joey, what did you think of Zack Snyder's four hour and two minute epic Justice League? Okay, as you know, I'm a biased person. I am not big on the superhero movies. And I have to say, didn't hate it. I did not hate Justice League. I think the Snyder guy, he's out of his fucking mind, but he has a point of view. Yeah, Amazing. I mean, to quote, to quote Wendy Williams, he's an icon, he has a point, and he is the moment. And that's just what it is. Davey, what did you think of... Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, uh, I saw the first one in theaters. Pretty big letdown. And I'm generally about as easy to please as a superhero movie viewer can be. Uh, I think the problem with the first one is it was it had like no tone. It couldn't figure itself out. And at least this one had some idea of what it was going for. And yeah, it's four hours long, but... At least it's a decent four hours. And it's funny, when you tell people this movie is four hours long, they're like, oh, well, you can just break that up into hour segments. It's almost like it doesn't upset them. But a three-hour movie, people are like, that's just too long. So I think we talked about it before, but we all watched it in sections, right? You, you did, right, Rod? I watched it in one 
full uninterrupted go let's talk about that let's have that conversation that's incredible i literally incredible. no interruptions except to order food at one for one second otherwise i watched it all in one go but i think you're right davy i think the most interest there's so many things that are interesting about this film that we'll get into i'm sure but the fact that it is to me the quintessential streaming project like it is Mm. only made possible because of the advent of streaming platforms and the fact that it is totally malleable to the form in which people want to watch it makes it the most incredibly contemporary thing i've ever seen we should tell people it's broken up into parts so you actually have these like chapter breaks if you want to break it up it's built into the form like you don't even have to interrupt the film you could literally break it up in a chapter I do think I do think a relevant point though is that HBO Max did not break it up into chapters. They did not. Because that was such an easy thing to do if you wanted to. If you said, Hey, we're doing the Snyder cut, four hours, that's all so much of the conversation is this is a four hour movie. This is a eccentric dude going overboard making this long movie. If they just made it a six part series with forty minute episodes would have ripped i gotta wonder it would have been the most accessible thing ever so i gotta wonder if that happened in the opposite direction that you're talking about though where it was a four-hour movie and somebody wanted to break it into sections and Zack snyder was like Mm -hmm. no this needs to all be watched together because dude does not view this as a like a bunch of different episodes dude views this as one full movie and no director wants their movie to be watched in five different parts and this guy especially does not want to make TV. Like, of, of directors who would be willing to do that, the Coen brothers, right? They did that with, uh, well, Bust- Rod, remind me of the name Buster of the movie. Scruggs. Buster Scruggs. Buster yeah. Scruggs. Yeah. Yeah, they were willing to do it. It couldn't get made. They were struggling to do it. They turned it into episodic stuff to get it on Netflix. Zack Snyder leveraged the internet <laughs> into his vanity project of reclaiming a movie that was taken from him, recutting it, spending $50 million to remake it with, with shots and, uh, you know, new shots and just the editing room. And this guy was like, this movie's four hours and it's going to be a fucking movie. Like, I don't care let's what you think, so. go. I mean, I think <laughs> that's exactly right, Joe. I mean, in, aside from the Coen brothers, Tarantino dropped Hateful Eight on Netflix, and in its current form on Netflix, it is a multi-part bingeable series, originally released as a film. So mm-hmm. it is crazy. You're completely right. Zack Snyder made an active decision <laughs> to release this film, <laughs> and I think we should give a little bit of context for people who have not been on yeah, the please. Snyder Cut bandwagon for two years. So Zack Snyder director of a film that we will get to later but on top of that a remake of dawn of the dead which fucking rocks that and it's what launched his career basically like that's where he went from like nobody to somebody to somebody then he made um he made 300 which was an like like for i think studios 300 is the was the blueprint momentarily of a certain type of comic book movie which gave him full access to one of the most profitable franchises and intellectual property in hollywood which is the dc archive he gave us man of steel 
2013. He gave us Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice in 2019. And all of this was in the service of the creation of the Snyderverse, a DC. Basically, DC had positioned Zack Snyder as their Kevin Feige, right? The difference was it wasn't a producer, it was a filmmaker. It was somebody whose entire vision would dictate like the textures and vibe of their films, even if he had no hand in it, which really was the case for Wonder Woman and for Aquaman. He makes Batman v Superman too much... I'm just going to leave it at that to much Pretty something. Bad. Pretty bad. To, it's, it's a rough one. It's a rough one. It comes in at a cool two and a half hours. So even though it's not a cut, it's still a Snyder cut in its own way. Then he begins to make Justice League, the sort of, you know, the arrival of this three-part trilogy that's going to launch this franchise during the filming of Justice League, a, a very devastating family trauma occurs where his daughter, Autumn, commits suicide. And that plus growing distrust in Zack Snyder's leverage as an auteur meets a moment in which DC and Warner Brothers begin to ask Zack Snyder to pull away from Justice League and allow for more cooks in the kitchen, essentially, which mm. prompts the arrival of Joss Whedon, who is the architect for many people, Before, separate from Kevin Feige, is the architect of the first two Avengers films. So he is seen as sort of like somebody who can pull the strings in correctly, tie them right, and give you like the arrival of a franchise like nucleus, something that can like prompt a lot of films. The result is Justice League, which, as Davey said, is not it. It feels like there's literally no. 20 people in a room talking at the same time, and you're watching two hours of it. Um, it's really not it. But a growing fan movement begins online for hashtag release the Snyder Cut, which is this mythic version of Justice League that Zack Snyder would have authored had he been able to participate in the film's completion were it not for this family tragedy. The I think what's interesting is that the beginning of the Snyder Cut movement really starts in March of 2019 when Snyder confirms that this cut exists, that there is a version of this movie that really would have been authored by him from front to back. And we finally get two years later as a result of all of this fan hysteria and all of this excitement for the Snyder Cut in March of 2021, exactly two years later, finally we get the Zack Snyder Justice League. And I agree with y'all. I think it's interesting that all of us are saying, like, it's better, it's better. This movie currently exists in conversation with its theatrical cut. It is without question better. And it feels exactly as long as it needs to be to me. It feels perfect for its vision. And I think when it finished, the first thing I thought, and I want to know what you guys think of this, is that the theatrical cut of Justice League is instant, instantly irrelevant. It feels like it does not exist to me. Like, this just yeah. feels like it completely went back, highlighted, and deleted the theatrical cut. Like, Yo, entirely. I, I felt that way before this came out, to be honest with you. Like, that's... that's yeah, you like, like, one of those, delete it, please. That's one of those <laughs> tragedies that you just delete from your memory. Like, Justice League, I couldn't even tell you on... I was trying to watch this movie thinking, like, it's better. What's different? I don't remember Justice League. I mean, I remember not liking mm -hmm. it, but... Honestly, I fucking do not remember that movie. For me, I mean, for me, I think the biggest... I, I haven't even seen the original Justice League, to be completely honest. Sure. But I, I think the biggest thing for me is, like, all I want from superhero movies is for someone to put their stamp on the movie aside from 
the IP. And I think uh, Kevin Feige rightfully is praised for creating a fucking monolith, you know? No one has ever created anything so powerful in the history of Hollywood that you could have, what is it now, 20 movies that have all made a shit ton of money? 17 movies? 23. 23, round, yeah. Round up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so respect as a business story, it's incredible. But every Marvel movie I watch, I say, they have wrangled in some of the greatest collection of talent I've ever seen and then taken a nice little fucking file and filed off every sharp edge you could ever possibly have. Watching this movie, I mean, I think the Snyder Cut, as all of Zack Snyder's career, is a story of power. This is a guy who was able to leverage 300 into making some truly batshit movies (laughs) because he had so much Hollywood capital and just, like, followed his heart in, in, you know... His first flop came right after 300. It was, you know, he made Watchmen, which did okay. And then he made Sucker Punch, uh, Sucker Punch which was a disaster. But sick. And ru- but hella sick, and right maybe. Then, yeah. Sick. Yeah, and right then he started floating that the only reason it was a disaster is because you didn't let me release the R-rated version. That's a fucking masterpiece. Right. Was already floating that back then. But this guy understands that, like, he, the fans are on his side, and he could leverage power into giving his cut. He's bigger than the studio, which is like what no one has ever been able to be bigger than in the Marvel movies. Yeah. So I love that this guy is fucking flexing Definitely. his power and putting a stamp on it. And even the parts that don't work, like, fuck it. I would rather see a filmmaker failing than some sexless yeah. <laughs> filed off shit you know i have to say one of like the most impressive things about everything we're talking about here and rod you breezed over it but made the point the power of the movie 300 is crazy like we that movie was the most quoted movie in the world for a while more quoted than like american pie even to 14 year olds everybody knew it everybody's seen it it was like borat and 300 yeah it is crazy how big that movie was how sexy it was how like violent it was and just a staple in pop culture that not only has everybody seen but also gave somebody this ticket to make a bunch of garbage and it's pretty crazy when we think about some of the podcasts we've had in the past where we talk about new directors on the scene who make one hit and are crumpled up and thrown away this dude made one good movie and then made hella garbage like i love sucker punch and i i mean i basically like everything i i'd be fine with four more batman versus supermans and i hated that movie but i just love that they exist but for most people these movies were terrible i mean even 300 or even watchmen which you mentioned joe like it didn't it hardly made its money back which is crazy Mm -hmm. considering most people have seen it but it's this dude was not exactly raking in cash for the studios so that's why it's so crazy to me it's totally so crazy. He, so there's a story in the... There's a Bloomberg profile of him, right, in 2016 or 2017. And there's a story in there that... Which, everything you need to know about Zack Snyder, he, with his first paycheck, bought a used Aston Martin for 25000 bucks that could, like, barely drive because he needed to have an Aston Martin, you know? 
And then uh, quarters. When he made three hundred, Warner Warner Brothers bought him a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar Aston Martin, as just like a gift because we want to be in the Zack Snyder business, you know. And like that, he's he even said in the article like that shit doesn't happen in Hollywood anymore. But it was such a runaway hit. It was such a studio defining thing, and it was also like the last gasp of studio Hollywood when you could still do that kind of stuff that I think because uh, 300 was I knew it was IP but it wasn't like IP capital I capital P you know like it's not like this is going to be anything that we do with Superman is going to hit a certain number like 300 was a Zack Snyder creation that he like brought to the right. finish line for not that much money made it look expensive, made it all this stuff. So, like, this guy was a true made man and has kept that, clearly still has that seal of approval, at least in his own mind, enough to leverage this into the Snyder Cut. Definitely. kicks ass. It definitely. I mean, like, it's such a perfect Hollywood story because only in the conglomerate-ass version of Hollywood that we exist in could someone like Zack Snyder be seen as a David to Hollywood's Goliath. This is somebody <laughs> who is the byproduct of Hollywood in the most intense, intrinsic way. It's like Hollywood runs through his blood, and yet because of these shifting tides, he is somehow able to be seen as a victim of Hollywood. And in certain ways, he is. I mean, artistic integrity is like up is the is up to the eye of the beholder. You know, like you can decide whether an artist is worth your time, but the question of whether an artist should be able to execute their vision from top to bottom that seems to me unimpeachable. I like you, Joey want to see an artist's fingerprint on a project. I want it to fail on the merits of the person who made it, not because there's like 20 people in the room, which I think is the Zack Snyder thing. He, to me, is such a Hollywood filmmaker, and he is, to me, the sensitive younger brother of Michael Bay. He, to me... I was going to say the same Literally, man. Yeah. Literally, man. Yeah. He is... No, that's... It's that's what it. he is. It's what he is. If, if Michael Bay made a Marvel movie, you could... Bet your fucking ass we would hear about the bacon. You know what, though? You know? I have Period. to say, like I almost feel like they're two sides of the same coin as opposed to being, like, the same person. Because Bay loves it bright and beautiful and big and mm. dreamy. And Snyder loves it dark Sweaty. and big and nightmarish, like, at all times. He wants, like, the ugly yeah. sexy, not the, like, not Wahlberg lifting weights on a rooftop in Florida. He wants, like you know, sweaty guys with eight packs making a wall of dead bodies. Right. That's right. Right. But Michael Bay would tell you that he's making a blockbuster and Zack Snyder will tell you that he's making a story that could be in the Bible. That's their difference. (laughs) You have someone who knows what he's doing and then you have someone who's making something that's not that different. But if you were to add, if you were to corner him in line for a bathroom at a house party, which is where you would meet Zack Snyder and he'd be fun to talk to because he's the sweet bro. He would tell you that he's making some real art. I feel like we should get into a little bit of the Wait, film. wait. What? One more one more point on the Bay versus Tell me. Snyder thing. The BVS. Zach, Bay v. Zach Snyder. Snyder <laughs> Zach Snyder is a hardcore Christian scientist is how he was raised. Michael Bay is hardcore like Anne Randian. That that's his style and that's what it's going on here. It's the and ran Ubermensch first the Christian scientist god shit, but it's all like how can we place this within the, you know, crazy ass Hollywood. So, I think that 
I enjoyed watching it. I'm a noted on record Batman fanatic. I can appreciate, I can recognize when a film does not work or fails on the merits of a film. To me, the Snyder Cut, let me make it clear to anyone listening for the last 20 minutes, I don't think this is a great film. Nothing about this movie, to me personally at least, works as a movie. It is completely bloated. It's completely over the top. There's no humanity in it. Every attempt at accessing the emotional register of a given character fails upon touch. The writing is very bad. Period. (laughs) And there's a lot of it. That's the other gag. A Zack Snyder movie is not just visuals, and it kind of is, but it has a lot of writing. These are scripts. They're not good scripts, but they're scripts with a lot of text in them. They're like CAPTCHA codes. They do not, to me, work as a film. As a comic book fan, Zack Snyder is... What I realized watching this, and we'll talk about this more when we get to our pairing, and I'm really interested to see what you guys think. Zack Snyder, to me, is perhaps the greatest adapter of comic books. He is not an interpreter. He is an adapter. The films you are watching are comic books. They literally function like panels. They function like the center panel where the binding meets, <laughs> like in a comic book, where you have like an image that breaks out of the panels and covers like a two-page splash. Like he is someone who's thinking in images and like everything that makes his films fail on the rubric of good filmmaking makes them succeed as comic book movies. But I think in, in 2021, we've been spoiled by like the average moviegoer of expecting a certain level of cinematic like touch that Zack Snyder just lacks and Justice League Snyder cut to me lacks. I think he lacks charm like charm I think is the big thing is like you can have a dark movie that is charming as hell I mean we've we've all seen a ton of movies that are like that and, and most successful dark movies are charming even horror movies tend to be pretty charming in one way or another but this movie it really lacks charm. Like probably the most charming character in it is Wonder Woman. And I feel like half her lines are like, they really are just, it's like they're chopped and she's responding to something totally different than they put her responding to in there. Cause like she'll say something that's like a quick whip of a joke, but it makes no sense in the situation. And then she just looks like an idiot. She's also, she is horrible in this movie. (laughs) Gagadam is so bad. I mean, everyone's pretty Uh, bad. I hate to say it. Even Fleck is is pretty brutal. He's not someone who can direct actors. I don't think Zack Snyder is someone who can direct actors. Because, Davey, you and I are undeniable fans of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in the hands of Patty Jenkins like she works like that's someone who can like direct her in the right way she's someone who's wooden and a little shallow as an actor but it works as Wonder Woman Zack Snyder does not know what to do with like this flesh and blood person (laughs) and and good good actors like Joe you were talking about you were talking about the Avengers and how they're lucky to have this cast of all-stars this is not a movie that was stuck with a bunch of schmoes who had no idea what the fuck no, they were doing. No. Like, I just have a few things written here, but you have Ben Affleck, Amy Adams, Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, uh, and the list goes on and on and on of everybody in this is a star. you know, And they've all done really good things in a bunch of other shit. So it's not like you can yep. excuse, like, cast and show up, you know? It's, uh, something's missing. They... They're not putting the right drug in the punch. I don't know what's going on, but... (laughs) I guess what I would say is you were talking about him being dark, and I don't know that I read Zack Snyder as dark. I think the difference between him and Marvel, aside from the color scheme, which I think (laughs) is The tobacco streak on Zack Snyder's lens. (laughs) 
but I think it's it's earnestness versus winking. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Chris Nolan DC's harder because you can't make it all a joke in the same way you can make Marvel all kind of like a winking fun joke. But I think Chris Nolan's a genius and is able to make also doesn't do uh, humanity very well, but is able to make <laughs> fucking gorgeous movies that are dark that you're able to sink your teeth into and believe all the stuff. And I think Zack Snyder is just fully earnest. Like you're watching this movie and there is not a fucking wink in the entire movie. It's just, these people are saying what they mean, speaking from the heart, you know, exposition is coming at you in a fucking letterman jacket with Nazis around. Like it is just like on straight to camera like as earnest as you could be and i think like it's kind of respectful because it's like what a fucking comic book is it's not like comic books are you know this big joke like they're telling stories like straight up for kids in an earnest way and i think zach snyder is doing that but he thinks it's the bible as you said he does think it's the bible (laughs) he is treating i think you're completely right i mean the marvel thing like we shouted out Kevin Feige when we first started talking about Marvel during this conversation, but the other like hand in the Marvel tone is Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Iron Man, which is like yeah. the DNA of the entire Marvel universe. Like the way that he plays Tony Stark, that swagger, that wink, like that entire sort of like insincere jokiness that is embedded in his performance as an actor has informed literally twenty two different films. Like I think the thing that's missing is someone flesh and blood in the Snyderverse to orient a tone because Zack Snyder isn't capable of it. And I'm not about to sit here and say that Kevin Feige was capable of it because we'll never know because like Robert Downey Jr. actually gave us that performance and that is everything that it's like launching out of. If you just read DC and Marvel, you see the difference. Like uh, when you talk about being a good comic book adapter, I think it speaks to exactly what we're talking about. DC does lack a lot of charm it it lacks a lot of charisma and it's a little bit more straight to the point it's what you think of comics from the 60s looking like where maybe there's a comedic remark here or there but it's there's not a whole lot of subtlety i guess marvel that was the whole thing from the start the reason marvel was more successful or at least loved than dc by a lot of people is it wasn't about a rich man living in a mansion that nobody could touch. Like they made all their characters human and they all had funny sides to them. And there's a lot of comedy in there. I mean, Spider-Man is that that's not just a comic. It's a comedy for the most part. And I think that's where a lot of this adaptation works in Marvel's favor outside of the director is like the writing is better that they're using. And when we talk about our pairing, I think that's a great example of something that, all of the dialogue was used basically out of the comic and it worked because it's a really fucking well-written comic. So I found it only fitting to choose another Zack Snyder movie that has three different cuts. One that is almost four hours long also, uh, but that I think is, (laughs) in my personal opinion, Zack Snyder at the height of his power. I think that he had it's mm. the best material he's had to work with. It's the best thing he's adapted. And it's I think it's a really fucking good watch and it really keeps my attention for 4 hours not because it's better than something else but because it's just really good. And that's the 2009 film Watchmen. <laughs> 
Watchmen. One of us died tonight. Somebody knows why. Somebody knows. Harry had been working for the government. Maybe it was a political killing. Maybe someone's picking off costumed heroes. It's based on a very famous, one of the most successful graphic novels of all time um, with slight story notes that are different. There are things that are left out of the movie a little bit, but it also makes you feel like it's okay to have a three-hour Watchmen because the graphic novel is thick. This film is famously considered, was considered, and to some who have watched this film and reject it, still considered unadaptable, partly because of the fact that this is a sort of like multi-textual graphic novel. It has like excerpts of a memoir written by a character in the graphic novel within the graphic novel. Then on top of that, it has Mm -hmm. this sort of like tangential story of a pirate that sort of like mimics some of the thematic beats that are happening. And it's a completely like genius graphic novel. It is like you said, one of unquestionably, maybe the single most important graphic novel written in the last 50 years. It is the only graphic novel to ever be listed on times 100 greatest novels of the century, a list that was created in 1999. Um, It's important. It's really important. Well, and I think, I think the genius of that opening is that it basically creates, you know, it's the thesis for the entire movie, which is like, heroes need to change to meet the moment and often heroes can't change to meet the moment or are changed to meet the moment in gross ways or all of that stuff and i think it's also like what Zack snyder forgot in the next 20 years because he probably never actually read the graphic novel you know it's just like it's absolutely if he watched this movie and was like how am i going to adapt superman there's such a clear, distinct, there's a line. The Superman exists and he is American. Genius and then there's line. another line explaining how it's terrifying that is. And Zack Snyder forgot it all when he made Superman and all of these movies since, which is magic. Well, it's funny because I kind of agree, <laughs> but I think that like, obviously this graphic novel is written by Alan Moore, Dr. Manhattan, played by Billy Crudup, Ooh, bitch, I literally just got shivers saying his name, mm. my guy. Um, he is the only character in Watchmen who has actual superpowers, which is, like, worth noting. So he is, within the Watchmen text, the Superman proxy, right? He mm-hmm. is the person who has this sort of, like, war- Earth planetary-defining level of power. I think the thing that Zack Snyder did borrow from Watchmen intrinsically is that he understands Superman to be a god because fundamentally Dr. Manhattan's character is presented as this like undeniable godlike creature. The thing that's missing from the graphic novel and from the film, which is interesting, is sincerity. I think there's both a sincerity in how it's made, but the text itself is so tough. Like there is sort of nothing to hold on to in terms of like the goodness of these people. I have read the graphic novel multiple times, and I will say that even though the graphic novel is in infinitely better than the film, I walk out of the film the same way I walk out of the graphic novel, which is being completely unsure about whether any of these people are good. Well, I think, Davey, you, this pairing was so genius, and the first thing that jumped out is obviously Watchmen felt like it's DC, but also they probably didn't give Alan Moore the rights to these characters. So there's a Batman proxy 
there's the Superman proxy, there's all these things that are so close, but clearly not allowed to just be Batman and Superman in their true form. But you see when Superman returns in Justice League, there's this moment where he's the devil Superman, you know? He's like God unleashed and it's this dangerous thing. And I think that movie could have and should have been all that, right? That should have happened so much sooner in a, like a snappy two-hour movie is, holy shit, Superman's back and he doesn't recognize us. And we like brought that, we opened the Pandora's box and what have we done? And instead, <laughs> because I don't want to place too much judgment on someone's uh, faith and what they were raised with, but I think there's like a fear of a vengeful God that like Zack Snyder can't lean into in a way where like Dr. Manhattan stays pretty good throughout that movie, you know? And he leaves for a second, but it's pretty quick yeah. the amount of time he leaves. And I think like Superman comes back and it's more like he's out of surgery and doesn't quite <laughs> recognize the nurse and is a little violent for those first times while the anesthetics like coming off rather than like, oh, this is a world defining problem that this fucking God. Yeah doesn't recognize us and wants to kill us. Well, you know? Dr. Manhattan's evil isn't evil. It's a uh, confusion, right? Like, or, um, lacking understanding. It's, it's not, there's no evil really to him. Um, one thing I will say though, is you mentioned that there's like a Superman proxy, a Batman proxy. I think these characters are written pretty close to the graphic novel from how I remember it. And, uh, I think that it's like, I, I do think he read this graphic novel, or at least his writers must have, because a lot, a lot of the dialogue and the like quippy jokes and like the crazy compelling stuff is taken directly out of the text. And that's one of the reasons I think it's way more successful than a movie like Justice League is he had a, an extremely successful, really good text that he could pull lines out of. And even though, like you said, Rod, it, it's not a charming graphic novel. It's dark and it's evil and it kind of makes you shiver when you read it. A lot of the best lines in this movie are the best lines in the graphic novel. And having that to lean on, I think, is is really huge. Like, probably the, to me, the craziest moment, I think, in all of the Watchmen is the flashback to Vietnam. And the comedian is drinking in the bar. The woman runs in and is pregnant. And she's like, what are you going to do? You need, you need to help me. Like I'm pregnant with your baby. And he tells her to shut up. She hits him with a bottle in the face. He pulls out a gun and Dr. Manhattan's standing there and he's like, don't do it. The comedian shoots her and kills her. And Dr. Manhattan's like, why did you like, you just killed her. You just shot her. And he's like, and you just stood there and watched me do it. That moment, I could watch that like four times because it's just like it's so layered in how fucked up it is. And that right, that mm -hmm. scene, there's not a single piece of writing that's even close to that in like anything Zack Snyder's done since. I guess most of these characters in Watchmen, honestly, aside from Silk Spectre, are proxies for either Superman or Batman. Batman to me feels stripped into three different characters. Rorschach, played by Jackie Earl Hurley, is sort of this like vigilante who is like. 10 degrees away from full insanity which has batman energy night owl 
just has the optics of a Batman look and his gadget focus. He just looks like that. He's an owl, literally night he's, owl. He's so like the scientist uh, superhero. Right. Yeah. right. But I think the most important thing is that the comedian to me is a Batman proxy. I think that there's this Joker-Batman hybridization within that character in which like somebody who is fundamentally answering the needs of the world in the moment in which they need them but if the needs of the world are psychotic which the vietnam war famously is a situation that has no beginning and no end it is just this cul-de-sac of like endless conflict um placing a character that to me represents an element of batman psyche is fascinating this is an incredible incredible comic and we should also say jeffrey dean morgan who plays the comedian plays bruce wayne's father in batman v superman in the famous in the no in the flashback so there is like a full circleness to a lot of these movies yo so who's your guys favorite character in the watchman i am all dr manhattan all day i think his (laughs) intrinsic apathy towards the comings and goings of the human race is a hundred percent right like i just think that that's the realest shit to me where it's like damn this like you know like that phrase of like those who don't understand history are like doomed to repeat it like and how we endlessly do prove that to be true like we can continuously like refuse to acknowledge our own history truly like dr manhattan to me is the best superhero ever because it's like he recognizes that from this omnipresent perspective and it's like bitch why should i give a fuck about these people like they can't learn from a single mistake so that's my dude that's my dude for me i mean i'm based it solely on the movie but i thought the comedian made the movie work i thought that that performance he's the linchpin character he's the linchpin and i thought like again i think that the thing that turns me off of Marvel movies is like the sexlessness. Like it's kids' movies, which, you know, makes sense. It's cartoons. Then it's like, Disney. Yeah, <laughs> Snyder is aggressively anti kids' movie, aggressively pro rated R, all of that stuff. And I think just being able to create a character that you, that is lives in the margins and is a bad guy, but not fully a supervillain and all that stuff is just stuff that's so hard to create. Mm-hmm. in a non-rated R mm-hmm. movie. And he is just like, he's evil, but he's not a full bad guy. And I think that's like such a, that makes the movie run. Yeah. yeah. That's why Rorschach is my favorite. And I think those are kind of probably the three most obvious choices. But yeah, I love Rorschach because he is, he's sort of your heroic good guy throughout this movie. And he is arguably the craziest person in the whole thing. He has the that hardest question. childhood. He's, a total sociopath he has no problem with killing people and despite his sort of position throughout the movie and the graphic novel of never compromising always doing the right thing it's more about feeling like he's doing the right thing rather than it is about saving people because he hates humans he has constant lines about looking down on them at the end of the world and spitting on them because he's above them and like just thinking that he's higher because he never compromised so even his good and his fight for what's just isn't really about anything other than almost like securing his passage to heaven or, or whatever it might be I, I don't think he's religious but it's just about never feeling like you're compromising on your behavior and you see how dark that can get when somebody has an obscured view of what is right and what is wrong well so something that struck me is uh iron man came out in 2008 
This came out in 2009. These are DC and Marvel both kind of making these big plays at the same moment. And obviously this is the moment Marvel laughs DC, takes the mantle, starts the MCU, everything begins. And I think it's a fascinating moment to make a movie because it's the end of the Bush era. Both of them are dealing with overseas wars and the messiness of them. And obviously there's a much better source text in Watchmen to deal with that. But it's fascinating to see how judgmental of both America, American America as world police and, you know, the role that superheroes play when they're politicized is in this DC story. Mm. And then you see Iron Man, which kind of flicks at all of those ideas, but then still like we're kind of rooting for him when he's breaking out of the you know Marvel Middle East definitely thing. Marvel like, feels to me like very much engaged in like a tickling war with like the military yeah. industrial complex yeah he realizes like sort of half fucks with it he, like, Tony Stark <laughs> Tony Stark knows that the government's wrong but it's okay because you can fix it right. and it's fine yeah. you know it's it's okay and he's gonna be the guy he's gonna be the agent of good and prove that America should use all these weapons right. and that it's all good and Watchmen the big message is basically the moment you use Dr. Manhattan to win the Vietnam yes. War, everything's fucked it's the original until you sin. destroy Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yes. another movie that I think came out that's important to talk about before both of those movies is Sin City, which I know we've brought up before, but it's the movie that I think about most when I'm watching The Watchmen is mm-hmm. the style, the characters, the darkness... The way that the fight scenes are shot, I think, is a really big part of that, too. Yeah, you get the feeling that in both Sin City and Watchmen, the comic book is like a storyboard. Like, you're really working off of the panels the way you would a storyboarding chart. Like, truly, in both Sin City and Watchmen, there is shots that are identical to the graphic novels. And it feels less like fealty to, like, the original text and more like an intrinsic understanding of the cinematic nature of these illustrations you know Mm -hmm. um and that to me is the thing that i think is like makes Watchmen work for me better than justice league does and it's partly because when Zack snyder has a complete text which he had in 300 and he has in Watchmen, there's a sense where again it lives and dies on its own success but it is a fundamental project to adapt and it works like for me it works he's not like my favorite filmmaker these aren't my favorite comic book movies though Watchmen has some of my favorite comic book movie moments the dr manhattan origin which to me is almost like a short film is phenomenal it's, so it's untouchable yeah. you can watch it on youtube and feel completely satisfied it's such a work of art and with justice league the snyder cut um i think what you really have and i want to know what you guys think about this is you actually have a four hour not film but a franchise like Zack Snyder is being tasked with like the building of a franchise over the course of quite literally one film. It is obnoxious to me that DC would have ever thought, frankly, that they could give him anything less than four hours when that's the homework assignment. I think that the painful thing, though, is you see in Watchmen, he is a god of exposition. As you're talking about with the Dr. Manhattan origin story, he does that like five times in that movie. And every time you're just like, Give me more. Starting with the montage. <laughs> yeah. It's so stylish. And then you see in the Snyder Cut, 
were literally having Cyborg in a Letterman jacket <laughs> walking through World War II, post-World War II collection of the magic box. And he's like explaining what the magic box is. And I'm like, am I watching a fucking PSA? Am I watching an after-school special? Like, what is happening here? This guy's like... High school varsity star walking through the Nazi history it, out of time. It was like, very, this is your brain shit. on drugs. It had the energy of this <laughs> yeah. is your brain on drugs. So clearly, like, it was, I, I think you're right. It's too big of a job for one movie. It's too big of a job for what they're asking. But, like, it's also exposition to what end. Like, we're not, the whole goal was to give the backstory of all these people and I guess get them into a group and then have them fight one battle. But like the battle was never, the bad guy wasn't compelling enough. The battle was never big enough and clear enough that like the exposition mattered. I like being in the world because the world is pretty well built and it's fun to be in, but like there's not any like there, there. There's no big ending yeah. that you the get. The battle's never big enough. If you go on IMDb and look up Watchmen and the Snyder Cut, it has plot keywords to describe. Just if you if you don't want to read the plot and you just want keywords, you can breeze yes. through just the first few. And this I think will help paint the difference in these movies. Okay, the plot keywords for Watchmen: rape, conspiracy, doomsday clock. False promise of the American dream, nihilist. Okay, the plot keywords for the Justice League. Superhero, extended version, DC Extended Universe, badass DC Comics. This project that you gave us, Davey, was so illuminating for my understanding of the entire superhero two-decade moment we've just lived through. Because I think what it showed me was that the moment we lost ground level stakes, the moment we lost the storyline, which the initial storyline was, which is how can humans live with superheroes? What does that mean? That's obviously X-Men. My favorite of the superhero shit is all about that. You know, that's like the story is always how do these things fit together? And late era MCU and this Justice League movie are fucking aliens versus superheroes. And it's like, that's a different brand of movie. That's a sci-fi movie that's taking place in outer space. And I think it's because when you continue to up the stakes in every single movie for two decades, what else are you gonna get to except intergalactic time travelers who could show up in planets and open a box and end the world which like might as well be thanos you know like we're getting to the thanos moment in every one of these movies and once you get there the only human we had in justice league was alfred besides batman <laughs> yeah yeah i think the key difference of what you're getting at is essentially the idea that Zack snyder's take with the dc characters is what does it mean to turn superheroes into gods whereas the watchman text is fundamentally what does it mean for a human being to be a god and there is yep. just such different nuance in what you're unpacking with those um, interrogations where a superhero being a god is sort of like a hop 
whereas a human being being a god is like a leap like what you're talking about is like something intrinsic to what it means to be alive to care about people to care about your own humanity whereas a superhero is intrinsically enforced with the idea that they have to care about humanity so the switch to being a god feels far less interesting okay let's get into categories y'all let's 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 get into this i'm gonna start with our most beloved most dreaded Lindsay lohan category i think we should switch places freaky friday where you swap the actors parent trap where you swap the characters so joey hit us first do you have a freaky friday for us i do so i thought about after seeing patrick wilson's chin in the batman mask i thought maybe this guy could play batman I thought when seeing Billy Crudup, maybe he could play Superman, you know? Maybe this is a little campy, over-the-top, get-back-to-his-roots Superman. But then I read that Bloomberg profile I was telling you about, and Zack Snyder says he picked Affleck as Batman because he's 6'4", and in the boots he's 6'6", and then the writer does a great job of pointing out that he's also Zack Snyder's age, has his salt and pepper hair and drives his same Aston Martin that Zach <laughs> Zack Snyder drives. So my Freaky Friday, I want Zack Snyder to play Batman in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> and have Affleck direct it. <laughs> Affleck direct, yes. <laughs> the ultimate Freaky Friday. Like, let's go. I'd watch it. I'd, I'd watch, watch it. it. Let's, let's lean not? into what we're doing here, man. You're the himbo king. You're a fucking hot man director. Let's make this happen, Zack Snyder. Play Batman. Let me hit you with our buy sell. Derek, you better yell! Who are you buying stock on and whose stock are you selling? Davey, you go first. All right, this is going to be tough. This is a hard hit. Uh, I'm definitely selling Zack Snyder stock. I'm out. Damn. I think Ooh. he hit. I think he hit his peak with 300. Uh, he rode that train a little bit, and he's been riding it too long. And I think the tracks are are ending soon. And I'm selling while while the stock's still as high as it is. Um, another hot take. After watching a four hour movie followed by a three hour movie, I'm buying stock in TikTok. I want one minute <laughs> videos. That is way too many hours of entertainment i want it quick i want it fast and uh last but not least i am buying stock in the rated r superhero movie Mm. it's been around for Mm. a while but i think even marvel is starting to accept deadpool is now one of their best pieces they got to figure out how to do it the best wolverine movie made yet was a rated r movie i see a big future for the rated r movies and I want a piece of that pie. That's a good call. I definitely I feel it. that. The rated R movie is a good buy. Okay, I'm going to hit you with mine. I am buying more Billy Crudup stock. Yes. He is my boy. He cannot fail. I love him in everything. He plays Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen and plays Barry's father, the Flash's father, in Justice League. So we got double Crudup. Mm. Even though he cheated on a pregnant Mary Louise Parker with Claire Danes, who eventually dumped him, Billy Crudup's still untouchable for me. And so that's a buy. That's a hard buy. 
I am keeping my Ben Affleck stock. I would sooner die than sell it. Let that be on record. And I am selling my Malin Ackerman stock because who, bitch? I cannot believe I was 100% in on Malin Ackerman who plays Silk Spectre in Watchmen. When were you all in on Malin? (laughs) When I tell you... I was buying Malin Ackerman stock. She's in The Comeback, one of my favorite shows, one of HBO's masterpieces. She's randomly in The Comeback Kid, this movie with Ben Stiller. Not great, but I was like, okay, yeah, it's like we're talking. It's 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 Malin season, and then literally, I was like, damn, that was the wrong stock to buy. So if anyone's trying to buy some Malin Ackerman stock, hit me up. I'm selling dirt cheap. Joey, what about you? Okay, well. I think we could actually make a transaction on the air because against all odds, Dave, I'm buying Snyder stock. It's all yours. <laughs> the, it's all it yours. was high. It was high. It dove down, got low and Snyder. You're short selling. <laughs> Snyder was brave enough to take on the studio side with the fanboys, ride the hashtag Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut into a goddamn 50 million dollar payday and his auteur ass four hour comic book movie but the real reason i'm buying is because when he was talking about his dreams he said his real dream to make a slightly non-ip movie slightly non-comic book movie is a george washington story in the style of 300 and i am buying that (laughs) You know what vibes that gives me is that gives me Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter vibes right there. Oh, he probably lost his mind when he saw that. <laughs> he was but, like, that was my shit, and it was taken from my hands. Do you know I am how, all in on the George Washington. Jacked and how violent George Washington is going to be in the Zack Snyder verse. Who's oh playing? My God. Is he bringing Gerard Butler back as George Washington? Dude, he, Let's go. I think Snyder could grow his hair out and play Washington himself. So I'm, I'm hoping for that. Um, I'm double definitely. buying stock then, yeah. And this is the one that's going to hurt the most, but I never thought I would do it. I'm selling Amy Adams. I was all in on Amy Adams. I was. I'm shocked. When is this woman getting her Oscar? All in on Amy Adams. And then she started the chase. And she began to look for the Oscar and she began to look for the paychecks and has made half a decade, more than half a decade of bad decisions. Mm. Climaxing in Lois Lane and fucking Hillbilly Elegy <laughs> in the same year. And Not you know mama. <laughs> we got to, like, I know. We got to give her a pass. She should have won an Oscar a long time ago. The career would have been different if she didn't have to chase it. Why didn't she get it for the master? Nobody knows. But period. Here we are, and we got to judge with, you know, the past performance in front of us. And wow. you know, the hillbilly elegy caused a dip, and those Lois yeah. Lane scenes—they weren't great. So okay. that. <laughs> that half a decade claim is cold blooded, bro. Sharper objects was sick, and uh, <laughs> arrival. Oh, arrival is arrival. Okay, arrival. So arrival is great. Arrival is great. That's the, That was the end. 
That's the end of Amy Adams for you. Okay, so for um, anyone keeping track at home, Joey is buying stock in Zack Snyder's interpretation of the crossing of the Delaware, but is selling stock on six-time Oscar nominee Amy Adams. So anyone who's keeping tally, lock that one yeah, up. I, I like it. this I deal, actually. I think, we got, I think we got a deal, Joe. You can have all my Snyder, all my Snyder stock at the price that it's at right now. And I will take for even trade all your Amy Adams stock. <laughs> this is GameStop. This is GameStop all over again. Yeah, that's great Damn. for yeah. me. I, something tells me that uh, Zack Snyder can move the GameStop <laughs> the GameStop a little bit higher with his fanboys. So I'm going to ride right, this well, into a cell. <laughs> well, my mall in Ackerman stays gathering dust. And again, it is open for purchase. Should anyone change their mind, just hit me up. Okay. Two Reels Extended Universe. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. What did this movie ignite in you guys when you're thinking of big T-R-U <laughs> content? Um, Joey, let's start with you who start just led us off into a hot, from a hot-ass exit. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with the intro. Who, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? So I feel like we've talked a lot about movies you know, we're on a podcast. Weirdly, somehow. We- <laughs> <laughs> we're currently on a podcast. I feel like we need to diversify our IP. And one thing we noticed in this movie is the dudes were jacked. All right? One thing we know about Zack Snyder, the man loves to work out. Another thing we know, he has eight kids. He's got tattoos. <laughs> you know, he's just a, he's a himbo which is a uh, male bimbo for those for less know. internet literate. <laughs> he's a himbo. You know, he's one of our great himbos. And I think the time has come for Snyder to take on Peloton and make the <laughs> Snyder cut. Zack Snyder's Peloton app that you could just queue up on your phone, queue up on your TV, put on your fucking... I'm picturing it kind of as like a Bowflex type wall situation, but maybe with a Zack Snyder's face just telling you, giving you uh, some positive reinforcement, <laughs> direction, whatever you want to call it. But I want to get jacked with Zack Snyder's direction, and I'm going to pay four to five payments of $99.99. Wow. <laughs> now Hi. we're talking. <laughs> That's good. Get jacked with Zach. Let's go on. That's right. Okay. You just got all of the money that Davey and I had left in our savings account. We're investing 100%. Davey, give us your extended universe pitch. Okay. First scene when we get into the Watchmen, there's somebody painting on a window. And you can't read all of it, but it says, who watches the Watchmen? Mm. I want to start with that exact scene again. But now we know Batman watches the Watchmen. Watchmen's sequel, Dr. Manhattan's gone, evaporated. In his place, Rorschach has been brought back to life. And Batman struggles with deciding, are these vigilantes helping the world or hurting it? And is it my job to take them down? To bring them up? Mm. Or to join them? And, uh about all i got (laughs) that's what hollywood wants to hear smash together some ip and let it let it sound good are we gonna have is there a colon in there because if there's a colon i'm buying 
hard. Batman stock. colon <laughs> the Watchmen dash the movie. Yeah, five and a half hours long. <laughs> and it's not a I'm, miniseries, bitch. That is one movie. <laughs> one movie. I mean, Davey, I'm giving you the cosign for that because Disney Plus is currently parading around a show called High School Musical, the musical, the series. So if that can <laughs> exist, then surely Batman colon the Watchmen can't exist. My extended universe pick, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman, Diana, tasked with spreading the ashes of her fallen Amazon sisters, Rorschach, the only person she knows with a car, Rorschach and Wonder Woman, go on a road trip to scatter the Amazonian sisters' ashes, and a meet-cute ensues, and what we get is a romantic comedy with stone-faced Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and gnarly ass Rorschach falling in love. Think when Harry met Sally. So when Diana met Rorschach, that's my mm. pitch. Okay, I'm gonna be, keep it a hundred. I don't have any alt pairings because this really did me in with its cool seven hour runtime. So I'm gonna hand it off to you guys. Joey, do you have an alternate pairing for Zack Snyder's Justice League? Okay. And let me try the remix. Yeah, I thought the my only note, Davy, was it was a little too short. So I thought as an alternate pairing, we could get Apocalypse Now Redux, another movie by a visionary director. You know, some say the Zack Snyder of his time, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, some do say that. Who made a movie about Vietnam and about, you know, the difficulties of American empire. And some said his Redux added some flabby parts. But it also gave us a window into what does this man really care about? And in Francis Ford's case, it was legendary surfing scenes. In Zack Snyder's case, it was a deep history of cyborg. And, you know, I think these would have paired beautifully. So Vietnam factors in no matter what is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to do Snyder, you're going to do Vietnam. So You're doing Vietnam. Okay, <laughs> that gives it, that gets a green check from me. What about you, Davey? Well, uh, I, when I was thinking about it, 300 was on my radar. I just thought picking the best thing that Snyder did would be fun to see side by side. Um, Sucker Punch was another one, only because I just wanted to force art thousands if not millions of viewers to watch sucker punch just to see they'd all realize wow this is better than i thought it was going to be release uh, the r-rated snyder cut come on guys i know i know Start and then the, the last movement. one the last one i thought about was mystery men which is like another oh, get the group yes. together to fight crime um that's like a pure comedy and just also kind of a joke on that whole world and that i just think it's a yeah, I just think it's kind of a fun movie, and like I just wanted a good "we're getting the getting the crew back together" type of movie that would be totally different. So those are all of them, but I felt good. I think that this was the best one I could come up with. So I think you nailed it. I think it. this was great. Yeah. I think this was great. And um, for anyone who's considering maybe buying Maul and Ackerman stock, I do want to reiterate she's in the Heartbreak Kid with Ben Stiller, who is in Mystery Men. So That's I'm just true. saying, if that ups the value a little bit, please buy. The only note I'll end on is a fun fact, which is that Cyborg's father is played by the one and only Joe Morton, who plays the man in Terminator 2 who launches Skynet. 
So he, in Terminator 2, creates the robotic apocalypse that ends the world, and in the Snyder Cut, he turns his son into a sentient living weapon, proof that nobody learns. Nobody learns from any of their mistakes, (laughs) and neither do we, because we watched seven hours of movies, and we're going to do it again in a few weeks. I love y'all so much. Thank you.